Welcome to Beauty Island, the podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I'm your host, beauty journalist Brittany Stewart, and each episode I'll be asking interesting figures inside and outside the beauty industry the eight beauty products they take with if they were cast away to a desert island. Now we're not talking sunscreen, although that's important too, but rather the eight beauty products that have special meaning or significant memories for them. For the first episode, I'm so excited to sit down and chat with beauty content creator, YouTuber, influencer and TV presenter, Domenica Calaco. Now, Domenica is one of the most refreshing beauty influencers out there at the moment, in my opinion. She's talented, clever, authentic, and most importantly, isn't afraid to call out the BS she's seeing in the industry. She has almost 14,000 Instagram followers and 18,000 YouTube subscribers. We sat down to have a chat on her very comfy sofa in her apartment in Sydney with her cat Cleo wandering around and the occasional aeroplane soaring above our heads. So apologies if you can hear that in the background at times, but it's all about setting the atmosphere. We talked drama in the beauty industry, the lies influencers are telling us, the secrets behind sponsored posts, the truth about whether expensive products like Le Mer are really worth it, what the life of a YouTuber is really like, and why she's so passionate about using her platform to talk about things others aren't. Yes, even constipation. She's got a really interesting story and thoughts on the industry, so I hope you enjoy. Just a disclaimer, every single beauty product mentioned in this podcast is purely opinion. There's no sponsored posts, no hidden advertising, so everything is an authentic recommendation that people are sharing from their lives. And if you want to know more about any of the products that we have mentioned, no need to write anything down. I'll pop all the links to the Chosen 8 products and any other beauty products we speak about into the show notes. Okay, so I'm here with Domenica today. You may recognize uh, her face or more her voice from (laughs) Studio 10, YouTube channel, Instagram, all over the internet. Yes, Um, gosh. (laughs) So I actually followed you back when you were Vogue Vandal. Yes, the good old days. The good old days. Oh, wow. When did you start the whole blogging and YouTubing thing? So I think it started like probably 2010 with the Tumblr kind of, you know, trend when it was big to have a Tumblr account and have an actual blog. So I started mainly doing fashion. And so I just had a Tumblr account and, you know, reposting inspirational pictures and and then I started actually with my blog Vogue Vandal, which I started shooting like my own stuff and just what I loved and trends. And then it kind of just took off from there and into more of a beauty space as I guess I kind of got a little bit older and my passion evolved for beauty. So how old are you if you... I'm if 25 now. 25, yep. Yeah. So I was quite young when I started and it was just, it was just a hobby. Like, I mean, it still is, but I guess now I'm making money off it. So it's, it's amazing that I can make money from a hobby. So you do it. This is your full-time job. This is my full-time job. Yeah. And it's definitely a hustle because, you know, sometimes brands do come directly to you and other times you've got to really go out there and pursue you know your contacts and make make the work for yourself so it's it's challenging but exciting at the same time and what was the point when it became a hobby or I mean it's still a passion for you but a hobby into something that you saw that you could pursue as your job your career 
Yeah, I mean, probably once my kind of YouTube started taking off and people started recognizing me and brands, you know, would start inviting me to events and start emailing me saying they wanted to work together. And I think once I was starting to make enough money that I was kind of like, okay, I can do this and put all my time and effort into this. I can make it happen and make it work. Have you recently watched the first video that you ever made on youtube do you oh, ever go back and- gosh no i oh i did like a couple months ago and i look at myself and i'm just like it, it's kind of interesting going back and watching those videos because i it makes me think of what was happening at that time in my life and just the evolution of me as a human rather than you know just the beauty you know the way i wore makeup or wore my hair or that kind of stuff so it is interesting to go back and just relive those memories and that time of my life and I think when you look back at those videos so it was 2013 yeah when you kind of did your first video yeah um and you look at the style of video and the things that were popular then compared to <laughs> I've got a friend coming we, up we've on just the sofa. got Cleo jumping up on the sofa with us <laughs> joining the podcast welcome welcome Cleo <laughs> compared to now where almost to get started you need this kind of full production totally like how yeah. how what are your thoughts on how much the scene has changed since you started i mean now because the scene is so saturated like everyone seems to be doing youtube and creating video content i feel as though if you aren't filming with higher quality you know machinery or machinery <laughs> you know like cameras you, your content isn't going to get noticed as much so if you aren't producing higher quality content it's not going to be watched. And now, obviously, this is Beauty Island. So yes. the point of this is you're going to talk us through the eight beauty products oh, that the have sig- the significance or are special to you in some way. Yes. So to kick us off, one of the products that you can't live without, um, you have a few that you can't live without, so I'm going to make an exception for you today. Yeah, it's <laughs> too hard. Like, it really is. Um, so you said Nag- Nars Laguna Bronzer, a classic. Yeah, totally classic I always go back to this bronzer I feel as though it's like the perfect shade it kind of just makes you feel more alive when you kind of need like a little prep up I love it It, and I use it on my eyes obviously to contour to bronze it's just like the ultimate shade good multitasker yeah and then you've also got two blushes another one from NARS in um, orgasm which is another classic oh that's just a classic I mean the two blushes that I've told you are like hands down just iconic shades and from two brands that I adore so and so the other one is a mac warm soul mac warm soul it's kind of a similar shade to orgasm it's you know that pinky kind of peach tone with gold undertones and I just it flatters every skin tone and it's one of those colors that when you apply it I I just feel like ah I'm ready (laughs) I'm ready to take on the world yeah we briefly spoke before we started but I want to bring it back up yes talking about the career as a content creator and YouTuber, um, it's changing so fast. Even with Instagram, with YouTube, with algorithm, you're constantly at the mercy of those kind of things. So we're seeing a lot of beauty um, content creators kind of diverse into businesses or go into other industries. What are you kind of looking to do to kind of, you mentioned moving into PR or beauty. So you want to stay in beauty, but what's your plan for the next few years? Definitely. I mean, I love the beauty industry. I I have met so many incredible people through doing what I've been doing. And I mean, I'm taking this opportunity now 
doing you know the whole influencer thing content producer um role as making contacts and making really amazing relationships with brands that i have a really strong connection with and love so i mean for me i know that this whole world isn't going to last and it's not something that i see myself doing you know five ten years down the track i mean i love it and i would love to really be able to do it for that long but i think you know, being realistic and seeing how fast the industry is changing now. I mean, five years time, who you can't even predict where it's going to be because it is ever changing. So just, you know, building those relationships with brands and, you know, those contacts in the industry, I think that's what I'm going to, I'm really taking out of this and just building those relationships, really. And could you ever see yourself going into kind of launching your own beauty business, whether that's products and because that seems to be what a lot of people yeah, are doing. I mean look I would love to but also seeing a lot of people do that I can actually see how hard it is um, I know a lot of people that have you know tried launching their own products and and seeing how saturated the market is at the moment I mean you you walk into your, your mecca or a price line and you just see the amount of product there is out there so I mean look I would love to one day but it, just seeing how hard it is you know it's something that's in the back of my mind but it's not exactly you know what I want to do right now but it could be further down the track you know and how much do you pay attention to um beauty gurus like in the US and things like that ah so I mean at the moment there's a lot of drama yes with the the beauty community you know especially in the US I don't know there is drama here in in Australia but it's not as you know intense or as dramatized as it is in the US um I take everything I see from US beauty gurus with a grain of salt um I just think what their world over there is completely different to what it is here and I just feel like there's less bullshit here in Australia so I don't know like I said take it with a grain of salt because I don't really believe everything they say and 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 a lot of the bigger YouTubers uh, the higher that their numbers get and their followers get I feel like I believe them less it just becomes less realistic less uh, kind of like I don't know there's a fine line between inspirational and aspirational when it you know when they get this big and it's like oh I'm buying this Gucci that Louis Vuitton like (laughs) oh this Range Rover like I, I just it's becomes less real and it's like uh, I can't relate to you anymore and 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 I mean that's coming from me who actually works in the industry I can't imagine what you know the average 18 or 20 year old woman is feeling when they're seeing all this so it's becoming less relatable and I mean I like to think of myself as still relatable and down to earth and you know keeping it real yep so um yeah I, I prefer to stick to what the average woman is thinking so and I think that's, I mean, that's one of the things that I love about your content. I think these, I think maybe when it gets to a point like these, these huge names in the US and, and here, you kind of become a victim of your own success almost because oh, you just, totally. you kind of lose touch of what the average person can afford and is, is it, interested it in. It really is. And I'm seeing that more and more. And that's why it's kind of turning me off this whole influencer kind of you know being branded as an influencer I want to be more known as you know for a content producer or I I just I want to be like the girl next door but the girl next door that is just like you and loves beauty and loves makeup and I want it to be more about that and the community to keep being just about the makeup and just being about the skincare and talking about things that we love rather than the drama that comes with it or you know oh like I'm just so famous now like (laughs) I'm just so overseeing that and I'm so overseeing people like build themselves up to this 
heightened sense of, I don't even know what you'd call it, but yeah, I just want to keep it real. Yeah. And I think that's why the people that follow me like my content because it's real and I keep it like down to earth and I just talk, like I just keep it real. I think that's what it is, yeah. And so obviously um, people that follow you on your channel are kind of, it's a given that they're inter- that they're obsessed with beauty and fashion, but you also do some work on Studio 10, which is kind of speaking to a, a different audience as well. Yeah, I mean, it's speaking to an older audience and a wider audience. Like TV gives you a totally different kind of, like, oh yeah, totally different audience really. Um, but I, I really enjoy doing live TV. I think it's a completely different skill to have. Um but yeah, I really enjoy it and yeah, it's something that I'm really blessed to be able to do and it's something I'd love to do more of. And how did that opportunity come up? So I was really lucky. My uh, partner actually works in TV and he kind of got me in and said, hey, you know, my partner is, you know, a YouTuber and she's really amazing and whatever. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was really lucky. It is, look, in this industry, it really does come down to who you know and um I know as crappy as that sounds, it really is because it can be hard to just break into or just crack that, you know, industry or that that kind of group of people. So I was really lucky just to have that foot in the door. And I mean, obviously I, you know, not to sound up myself, but I'm good at it. So, I mean, that's why they keep getting me back and and that's it. And, and the audience enjoys enjoys my content and enjoys the way I you know can kind of connect with the audience and I think because although I am 25 I have this kind of maturity to me that connects to that older woman and I have a kind of once again like a girl next door vibe so I'm not kind of standoffish but I I always reply to all my DMs after my appearances on on the show I get so many women you know contacting me oh wow like it, it just opens them up to a different kind of well like the beauty that the trends that I bring to the show is kind of a lot different to what I think older women uh, women are used to yeah so I think that's why they love it so much and yeah and I know you said you didn't want to toot your own horn but everything you said was 100% true as someone who is what she loves thank you I know like I I don't want to come off as like you know you know up myself or whatever but yeah it's it's true like I mean you've got to be proud of and I totally am proud of what I've done and what I've achieved and being able to do live tv like it's not easy so I'm proud of that. Now, your second product um, that you've chosen to take with you to Beauty Island is um, a special perfume, Sunflower by Elizabeth Arden. Can you tell us a bit about why it's special for you? Yeah, so it's so random. Like, I mean, when you ask me what perfume or brings back a memory, this has like this memory in the back of my head of like getting ready for preschool and and primary school. And my mum would always have this perfume in the bathroom. And I just always have this memory of mum spraying, you know, having a little spritz in the morning before school. And I think that was one of the first kind of memories of of beauty in my life. And I just, I was always amazed and like, oh, mum, like I just thought it was so special. And I mean, like even the smell now, it just brings back so much memory. And I mean, it's like not even a great fragrance, but it's just, <laughs> you know, it's just so old school and so 90s that it, yeah, I don't know, it holds a special place in my heart. And could you, if you were to kind of describe the smell, it's because it's quite like a lively, it's quite a, like yeah, a happy and uplifting it's, it's scent. Hap- it's like a little bit powdery, but it, I mean, it's very 90. So it's got that kind of sweet powdery scent to it, but it is fresh in a certain way as well. So, I mean, it just brings back a lot of memories. 
Can you tell us a bit about, like, did you grow up in Sydney? Yeah, so I've always grown up in Sydney. I grew up in the western suburbs. So um, now I live in the east, so a lot closer to the city and a lot closer to, you know, where all, all the beauty brands are and where all the events are happening. But growing up, you know, in the west, it, it was a little bit different. You know, I grew up with two brothers. I grew up on acreage, so I grew up running around, you know, no shoes on, like a, kind of like a tomboy, a true tomboy, getting dirty, you know rumbling with the boys yeah um so I mean I've mum always had Vogue and you know Earl magazine and a Harper's Bazaar around the house so I always grew up flicking through the magazine so I feel like that was always part of my life like fashion and beauty and then um doing dancing from a young age as well the whole makeup and hair was part of that so it kind of just grew with me and as I got older and really got into it and you know, going into Priceline and mum would allow me to get one lipstick or, you know, a mascara or whatever it was. And I think my love for it just grew from there. Yeah. I always think it's interesting how much of our passions are introduced to us by our mums. Like I know, same with me, fashion and beauty has all come through exposure originally through my mum as well. It really is like, you know, growing up around it and just seeing what they use and watching your mum apply a lipstick or, you know, the products that mum used to use. I just always remember her using... Revlon lipsticks and also these CoverGirl lipsticks like it just brings back so much memories to me yeah and so obviously you're going to talk to brands brands are also coming to you what's your kind of ethos on deciding who you work with do you turn down a lot of opportunities what's what's your strategy like a lot of you know smaller brands will come to me and you know say oh can can you try my product and and whatnot so I mean I I always say yeah feel free to send it to me and I'll try it and if I like it I'll talk about it when it comes to bigger brands who have budgets and want to work on long-term campaigns that's something that I personally like to work with like I, I like longer term campaigns because it gives my audience a chance to actually get to know the brand get to know the product I'm talking about and obviously I only work with brands and do campaigns that I really love I'm not going to do something that doesn't feel real to me or you know I I don't actually like the product so yeah I turn down things and I just say look it's not on brand for me and I I feel as though brands are kind of becoming a bit more savvy with who they approach with campaigns now like they know which talent is going to work best for their product and so I've, I've been lucky this year actually like brands have only been like approaching me for campaigns that they know you know are going to work for yeah. me and my audience have done the research know yeah, what you're about. totally and I think that's it, it just it cuts a lot of like you know back and forth emails that are unnecessary if the brand actually does their research and knows that you love the product and I mean it it also just comes down to you know communicating with brand managers and you know going for coffees and just saying you know I'm oh I've really been enjoying this or keeping them up to date with what you're loving and making sure you're tagging on Instagram and all that kind of stuff so it it never ends it's like it really is a full-time job and it's 24 7 like there's no downtime for me um it's just it's just constant and I think that's the thing. I think people are becoming a bit more savvy about what's involved, but there is maybe this misconception that being an influencer is just receiving free stuff and sitting down in front of the camera now and then oh, to kind of... Yeah, I totally like... I mean, I still get messages from girls that I grew up with and, they're, you know, they're trying to... They're starting out as, like, makeup artists or, or whatever and they're like, oh, you know, how do you contact brands for free product? And I'm like, 
it's not just for free product. It, it, it It's really weird. You know, when, when I get sent all this makeup and um, – and everything like it's it's still totally a pinch me moment but the way I see it is it's not just getting free stuff it's you know brands are sending you this product for consideration so you know you want to be able to try it and see if you like it and then talk about it because that's my job um and in saying that like it's not you know, the brand can't just send you 20 lipsticks and think, oh, that's paint. Like, it's great. You know, if I want to work with a brand and they want me to post about it and show show it off to my audience, there's got to be some form of, you know, compensation for that. I mean, you can't get paid in lipsticks. I can't pay my rent with <laughs> lipsticks. I'm, I mean, I wish I could. But, um, yeah, it just doesn't work like that. So, I mean, it's becoming more understandable and acceptable now. I feel as though when it first started this whole, you know, beauty influencer thing, People didn't really understand it, but now brands are becoming more savvy, you know, with the kind of co- content that they can get, you know, if they are paying people. And once again, working with influencers or content creator creators that, you know, have an audience that is going to be really like attentive to what that influencer is saying. Yeah, and I think that's so interesting. And you mentioned before, like, you don't have a manager. You're the one answering emails. Do you, yes. like, film and edit? Do you do everything yourself? I do everything myself. So it's it's insane. Like, you know, from filming can take you anywhere from one to three hours. And then editing editing a video, I mean, can take anywhere from three to six hours, depending on how, you know, in, you know how in-depth the video is. And then, obviously, the Instagram content, you know, taking the pictures – Often my, my partner will help me or whoever I'm with at the time, you know, my girlfriends or my mom or my brother, anyone I, I can rope in to take photos for me. And then, you know, writing the copy. And then if it is a sponsored post, which I always disclose, you know, those those posts have to be, you know, have to write the copy and then send it off to the brand and say, you know, is this okay? Is this, you know, is this portraying the message that you guys want to send but obviously in my own voice because I think that's really important I don't want to just copy and paste something that a brand manager has written you know I want to keep it really real and still use my language you know like I I often swear in my posts and I just keep it really down to earth and and me and authentic and I think that's really important because the moment that you lose that authenticity your followers or the people that are your audience are just going to be like uh you know on to the next one. Exactly. And I mean, that's something that is a big conversation at the moment, transparency around sponsored posts. And yeah. you obviously always disclose um, when you're working with brands. What do you, I mean, as someone who's in the industry, does it frustrate you when you see lots of people posting things that are obviously sponsored and that you, you can probably see straight through it? Oh, and look, a lot of the time I know it's sponsored because I know that these deals are happening and I know what launches are at the moment. So because I'm inside that, you know, <laughs> that world, I know. And it, and it is annoying because I, I can you know sympathize with a woman you know just the average woman that's looking at this content and thinking oh my god like I'm seeing 10 girls from the same agency doing the same post at the same time on a Thursday night like you know and it's just like oh okay It, it just doesn't seem real and and I think I don't know like if brands are catching on to this yet but you know going to the same media agency that have the same 10 girls that often have the same following like you're not actually reaching a wider audience because you're getting these girls from the same agency that kind of have all the same following because they're all always in the same campaign so I mean look I don't know I think a lot of the time it just comes down to what's easier for the brand manager or the PR agency that's been you know put on to promoting a certain product yeah so I mean look I don't know 
it, it just comes down to whatever's easier sometimes for those brand agencies. But yeah, I don't know. I sympathize for the average, you know, consumer that's seeing all this and doesn't really know what's fact from fiction. And I think that can be really annoying for the consumer. Definitely. And I mean, a lot of these viewers are a whole range of people watch YouTube from people in their yeah. teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Yeah. But it, there are a lot of imp- impressionable young girls who are totally who are the main consumers of this kind of oh content. yeah and i mean like and it's crazy you know you see these young girls and i have you know a few friends that work in you know mecca stores and the things that some of the girls come in there asking them is crazy like they'll show them a photo of you know this face tuned photo and it's like i want to look like this and they're like mm, well you're like you know 16 you don't have skin that needs a full coverage foundation like you don't need this but we're often being sold stuff that we don't actually need or, you know, we're, we're told to apply a product in a way that isn't right for you. Like, so it's just there's so many messages out there at the moment and I think young girls are just so impressionable. I mean, look, I was a teenager one day, uh, you know, all those years ago <laughs> um, and I know how how it was. So I can sympathise with them and I think a lot of – some people – um, kind of lose that foresight or just see the dollar sign as to, oh, yeah, I'm going to promote that, you know. So it's it's sad and, and you see it a lot. But, you know, that's why I like to keep it very real. And, you know, if I promote things that are a little bit expensive and I get, you know, DMs from younger women or is it worth it? And I'm like, look, it is pricey, but it, it has worked for me. But, you know, we're all different. We all have different skin types. I, I'm just saying that it works for me and what looks good on me might not work for you. So it's just – and that's the message that I like to always kind of have as an undertone to all my posts because what works for me might not necessarily work for you. Absolutely. And talking about your teens, your yes. third product, I asked you um, what was the product that defined your teenage years and you just said Maybelline everything. Maybelline everything. I mean, I, I'm i still a diehard Maybelline fan. Love what they do. Love their um, Matte and Poreless foundation. Oh, my God, love that foundation. And they've just come out with 40 shades. So they're stocking like a full range of shades, which is amazing. But, yeah, Maybelline everything. I, I feel as though kind of it was, you know, in back in my dancing days, I'd have like, you know, three red lipsticks on the go and they were always – um, the Maybelline Superstay because they'd stay throughout the day at a Stedford's and competitions. And it, it was just affordable. And I feel as though in my teenage days, that was kind of what was I was attracted to as a teenager. And I mean, still in my 20s now, I still love Maybelline. And I think they're kind of targeted now towards, you know, teen, but in the 20s. So it's still kind of you know acceptable for me to use Maybelline (laughs) all the time and in terms of like your look when you were a teenager were you into like heavy eye makeup were you like I was a blue mascara fan which um yeah I wish I could destroy the photos honestly (laughs) I mean look I look back at photos now and I, I see myself using well I used a lot of a lot more eyeliner and I've kind of stepped away from using eyeliner now like I hardly ever wear it and I think it's just I'm more aware of what is you know what looks good on my eye like because I do have bigger eyes and if I wore mascara in my waterline like it, uh, sorry used eyeliner in my waterline it would make my eyes look smaller or you know it didn't make my lashes stand out as much so I look back and I'm like ah, oh, I wonder why I did that I think it was just the trend at the time you know eyeliner was a big thing and doing a wing and um yeah but I was always a fan of like a an orangey red lip Yep. which really brought out in what you're wearing today, brought out the blue eyes. And I mean, I always loved a kind of copper 
tone eyeshadow, which I still love now. But it's just the way I use the product. I think that's what's changed. I still do kind of use the same colours and tones, but I just I use it in a more mature way. And I think <laughs> I know how to apply it better now. And I think that's what you were saying when you were saying um, teens coming into Mecca stores. You think about the skills that the average 14, 15-year-old has now oh. compared to when, when we were that age. It's, it, it's, it's actually horrifying. insane. Like, you know, they just – they've got this myriad of content and everlasting – like, it's just – that you can jump online now and go and, and search for a brown smoky eye and just you can learn so much. And, I mean, I'm just so lucky and blessed to be able to, like, have had so many opportunities to meet amazing makeup artists like Ray Morris and um, Nicole Thompson, Pinky from Mac, and just learning just amazing tips and just, yeah, I, I feel so blessed because I've learned so much from these amazing women and men in the industry. So, um, you know, being able to share that with my audience has been amazing. And I think for younger women now, it's just incredible that they have this platform that they can get these tips so easily. I mean, when we were growing up, there was like nothing, you know, it was just like what you see in a magazine or a look you see on a celebrity and you want to try and recreate that. So now there's just so much more out there. One of the many things that I love about your content and, and you as, as a person or personality that we see online yep. is that you're not afraid to call out the BS. So some of yes. your recent Instagram stories talking about filters, yeah. does it frustrate you when you see it? Oh, look, my. it really frustrates me because, okay, look, I'm not saying I don't love a filter, love a good filter, <laughs> but I'm not putting it out there as this is me. Like I, I like to keep it real like, yeah, I get – you know, a pimple, I've got, you know, pores and that's just being real. Like skin doesn't look like that. And, you know, for, for girl, young girls that will look at these photos or these videos online and think, oh, that's how I want to look or that's how that product is going to make me look, it's, it's lying to the consumer, you know. And if brands are going to be working with people and certain influencers and putting their money into an influencer that's just going to literally face tune their face with a foundation, no one's skin's going to look like that, you know. No matter how, whatever pore refining primer and whatever you're using, skin is going to look like skin. It has texture. Instead of, you know, trying to make us look like Barbie dolls, we're just flat 2D things. Like skin is skin. Be, you know, be who you are. Just embrace that. And I, it's really like saddening actually seeing young girls just, you know, face tune their face so much or just – just everything has to have a filter on it. And, I, and and then when I see, you know, celebrities using these filters all the time on their stories and, you know, in their pictures, it's it's really saddening because I feel like what's the message that it's sending? It's like, oh, well, to be cool or to make myself look a certain way, I've got to do this now. Like, I'm not good enough the way I am. And, I mean, look, just get yourself some good lighting, girl. Like, just... <laughs> You know, stand in front of a, a nice window with some really diffused lighting. You can, you know, you don't have to use a filter. You don't have to use Facetune. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I just I've, I'm doing this series on my um, Instagram at the moment, um, uh, Rant Fridays. <laughs> and so I just talk about things that are really just annoying me. And um, it's really resonating with people because um, I think it's annoying other people as well. And, and a lot of my followers and people that aren't in the industry, I'm kind of debunking all these things that are just pissing everyone off. Yeah. And it's just not real. 
we talk about impressionable teens. I'm in my mid twenties and I still get caught up in it. Oh, I'm like, try- why? Why don't and I, I do like as that? well? And I'm in the industry and I know like the BS. Like I know what's happening and I'm still even impressionable by it. Like it, I still let it get me down. And so I just can't imagine what you know the average eighteen year old is looking at this content and thinking, oh my god, I'm not good enough. Like it's just horrible. I, I don't I couldn't imagine what it would be like growing up now in the age of Snapchat filters and Instagram filters and Facetune. I, I couldn't imagine what it would be like, you know, being in high school and so being so pressure. impressionable and, you know, hormones. Like, oh my god, they're a horrible thing. Like, tw- I'm 25 and I'm still dealing with it. So I don't know <laughs> what it would be like for a, you know an 18 year old girl. And you talk about authenticity and being yourself you obviously call out the bullshit but you also share other things that people maybe aren't talking about as much like I know you've shared about your experience with endometriosis and and things like that is that in something important for you that you feel like you want to talk about or necessarily should talk about oh I mean look I've got a platform and even though it's a smaller platform I really want to use that to talk about things that people aren't talking about I want to talk about bloating I want to talk about constipation I want to talk (laughs) about the fact that you know I'm feeling really depressed or you know, I'm feeling a certain way and that, and that's just what being a human being is like, you know, I want to share that and just show, yeah, I'm a human being and I'm just like you and I really am just like you, like, you know, just because I go to all these fancy dinner events and I get to go to cool things and do all these amazing things, you know, I really am just real and I have days that I feel like crap and I'm, I am struggling, you know, like it's, it's hard, life's hard, but we'll get through it, you know. One, one lipstick at a time. <laughs> the product that gives you the ultimate confidence boost, do you have incredible brows? And you said Thank matte you. brow gel. Yeah, I mean, look, a good brow, I think, can change your whole face. And MAC brow gel, I just – look, I've tried them all. I honestly have. And MAC, it, it, they just get it right. I mean, look, you know, so many new brands have come out recently over the past five years – but MAC, they just – they get it right. Their product is made for professionals and it's just the formula is just – it stays all day. It gives you that really beautiful kind of fluffy brow, which I love. I'm kind of sick of seeing that Instagram like totally really – sharp. Cons- yeah. yeah, sharp. Like, nah, it's not real. Like, that, <laughs> let's just get real, girls. Like, you know. So it just gives you that perfect brow. And, I mean, if you've I, – I still tint my brows even though kind of I've – I fill them in or whatever I use of fiber gel to kind of just fill in any sparse areas. If my, you know, if they're freshly kind of tinted, I just go in with the clear brow gel and just brush them up and they just stay all day and look fluffy and perfect. So it is my kind of go-to. When are you feeling your most happy and confident? Is it when you're made up at these events or is it like when you're at home with your family and your trackies and no makeup? Oh, I mean, you know what? I feel bit of both I mean sometimes I go to these events and I'll be real like I don't want to be there you know I can sometimes I just feel like oh god I don't belong here or there's just people are just so fake you know like there's just so many people that I can see are putting on a show and I'm just really not like that like I'm just could not care less like nothing makes me happier than being at home on a Friday night with my cat and my boyfriend like honestly so I you know I feel my most beautiful after a really nice hot shower. I've washed my hair. I've got a face mask on and just feeling relaxed. That's when I feel my most beautiful. But then again, like, you know, some days if I've got my hair up in a bun and just a really beautiful kind of dewy skin with a bright lip, I feel my most beautiful then as well. So it's just, I don't know, it goes with my mood as well. Yep. 
Yeah. And obviously your partner does has kind of complementary skill set working in TV. Definitely. Has that helped? Or do you, I just think when you have people in relationships, it's so interesting about – I always come back to something that um, Catelyn Moran, who's an English journalist who I love, yeah. and she, she said that it probably sounds anti-feminist, but the most important decision a woman can make is the partner that she chooses to do life with, who can support you in these endeavours and oh. things like that. Could not agree with you more. I've I've been in relationships where my partner wasn't accepting of my career and wasn't, you know, appreciative of, you know, the challenges that I went through to get to where I was. Um, But, you know, with Luke and him being in the same career, kind of like that same realm and, you know, online media and traditional media, he he gets it and he gets the struggles. And um, just having him to help me and kind of push me along um, has been amazing because it, it is true, you know, from that quote, like if you don't have a partner that is accepting and, you know, help helpful to help you reach your goals, it really does make a difference. It, it and, and I mean, even my family, you know, starting out, you know, back, you know, a couple of years ago when this whole industry was still growing. I mean, my parents were kind of like, oh, yeah, Dominica, like, you know, it's just a hobby, whatever, but, you know, get a real job kind of thing. So it, it, it was hard back then as well. But, I mean, it, it's getting easier and it, I think they can see now the contacts that I've made and, and the incredible relationships, you know, that I've built in the industry and that, you know, will make it easier for me to get a job in what I want, you know, down the road. Yeah, yeah, and exactly, and it's not necessary that they have to be doing the same thing as you, but just that they understand and they support. Totally, I mean, support from your, you know, significant other. I think you, you need that. If you don't have that, it's just, it's it just makes it really hard, and especially in this job um, where it never ends, and like everything is content. Content is life. Content is key. Um, if you don't have someone that's going to be supportive of that. It, it's, it gets really hard because then you get to kind of resent each other. Like I've been in a relationship where it was very resentful because everything was, you know, like everything was content. Oh, you just, you know, whatever. So having someone that understands is so important. You sound like you're quite close to your to your family. Yeah. Um, who Has there been someone in particular who you feel has really shaped you personally or, or professionally? Oh, I mean, I have a really close relationship with my mum and I think she has, she's always been supportive of me and she's always wanted me to be my happiest and she can see I'm happy when I'm doing this. So, um, yeah, I think my mum's just really, just always pushed me and she wants the best for me. So, yeah, she's just really always been so supportive and she's been my biggest rock and supporter throughout this whole journey. And I feel like you can't lie to your mum. Like your mum knows. No. Can um, see straight they, through you Oh, they you're... can read everything. Mum sees straight through. They've got the best bullshit meter, I think, mums. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Now on to another product. The, the product that you used to treat yourself or one of the most expensive products that you've ever bought or tried. Um, you said anything La Mer. Yes. And I mean, I, I did look up the price point. The most expensive was uh, $665 at Mecca for 100 mils of the Creme de La Mer. Yeah, so look, very treat yourself. <laughs> very treat yourself, and I mean, getting a media kit with you know like a creme de la mer, it, it's just actually one of those pinch me moments where it's like, oh my god, yeah. you know. Um, and I mean, look, it is a beautiful product, but it is a very just, it's one of those just luxe, just top of the range, um, 
in terms of active ingredients, I can't tell you that it's something that's actually going to really actively change your skin. I mean, it's a gorgeous moisturizer and it's just completely just hydrating and beautiful. But it's one of those things where, look, if you can afford it, go for it. But it's not something that it's like, it's like every woman has to have in their beauty cupboard, you know. Um, it's one of those really treat yourself if you can afford it, go for it. But I wouldn't say save your pennies for it because there are other products out there that are more in an affordable price range that can do the same thing. But I mean, look, it's beautiful. And who doesn't want some La Mer on their, you know, their beauty cupboard? Exactly. And I think that's one of the things I'm really passionate about is, I mean, I don't like it when influencers or you're told like you have to have this $600 oh, jar. Totally. But if you can afford it or if it's something that you value and you want to spend that, please do and enjoy it and love it totally and i think that's so important like a lot of influencers just like you need this you need this you're not worthy unless you have this like (laughs) it's just it's crazy so i yeah i don't know that's another thing that i'm really like i make sure that i get across because no the 600 dollars lemire cream is not like necessary you don't actually need that but i mean look if you can afford it or if you're willing to kind of fork out that kind of money go for it because it is beautiful yeah and I'm not going to sit here and say it's not beautiful and, you know, their lip balm, you know, their $90 lip balm isn't isn't divine. But, you know, you know, priorities, girls. <laughs> yeah. And another one you mentioned was the um, Tom Ford Highlight and Contour yes. Palette. Oh, my God. The most divine. I just think it, it's just it, – it's that one bit of luxury – you know, that I have that's like, oh, when you open it up and you apply it. And I mean, the product itself is so beautiful. It's kind of like um, the Chanel, um, Tender Chanel, the cream bronzer, another kind of exy product. But I mean, it, it, it's just, it's the feeling that it gives you when you're applying it. And I think that's something that's really important. Um, you know, as women, we like to treat ourselves. And even, you know, buying, you know, a Tom Ford or a Chanel lipstick, it's just that feeling of putting it on and just knowing, oh, this is beautiful. Yeah. I think that's super important. And I mean, look, it's no different to putting on a Revlon red lipstick or, you know, a Rimmel lipstick. But it's just, you know, having that one little bit of luxury, I think really does make a difference. I know for me, one thing, another product that I love is the Dior Lip Glow just the um the lip balm yeah that looks beautiful on oh that is just one of the most divine like i honestly think look it is 50 something dollars for a lip balm but i just think it is just one of the most divine things to have in your handbag and pull out and just put on it's just you know it's one of your you know accessible treat yourself products yeah a little bit more accessible than the 600 dollar la mer yeah (laughs) um yeah and comparatively tom ford i think is about 125 dollars so absolute steal yeah i mean look totally (laughs) yeah it's one of those things that you know if you just put away a bit of money each week and you know treat yourself at a special time or you know it's I, i think it's anything tom ford is beautiful I have to agree with you. I had never, again, it's one of those things that I probably wouldn't necessarily be able to buy myself, but working in beauty journalism, I was lucky enough to receive a couple of PR packages from Tom Ford and I have an eyeshadow cord, which I use, I've used at least a couple of times a week for the past few years. They are beautiful products. They are. And I feel like some expensive products are just not worth it. You're better off getting the drugstore mascara, but sometimes they're worth paying the coin. And yeah, on that, I actually think most drugstore mascaras are better than high-end mascaras. 100%. I'm just going to put it out there. But when it comes to things like eyeshadows and bronzers and highlights, I tend to lean towards more, you know, those kind of mid-range to high-end. I just think, you know, if you're going to 
spend your money on one bronzer and not have you know 10 shitty bronzers i'd i'd rather see women buy the one beautiful bronzer that they're going to use every day other than having 10 bronzers that are like subpar not quite right not quite right um so i think that's really important but when it comes to mascara because it's something that you use every day and you know for hygiene reasons totally go for the you know the maybelline do you have a favorite drugstore mascara that you like to use i mean because do you get ex- uh, lash well, extensions? I've, so I've got lash extensions yeah. and I have so for like two years. So to be honest with you, I haven't really trialed any mascaras in that time yeah. because I've just, I'm addicted to eyelash extensions. It is addictive, isn't it? Um, oh, I forget the name of the, just the Maybelline um, in the in the purple tube. The uh, the super... Great Lash? No. Long, yeah, Great Lash. No, that's the classic, isn't Well, the, it? the classic Great Lash, I, I grew up using that. Yep. But there's one in the purple tube that I also love. But uh, I We'll find out the name. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. We'll I literally it, have it in my makeup bag. Yeah, I know. I literally, name. it's, yeah, it's one of those names. Lash Sensation. Lash, yep, yeah, that's it. Got it. Lash Sensation. <laughs> Honestly, beats like all these $50 mascaras. You don't need that. Lash Sensation. Now we're coming on to your um, few final products. One of your, what you call your greatest discovery, Omnilux. Can you tell me a bit more about what it is, what it does? So I had an Omnilux yesterday. It's just another thing like treat yourself is facials. And I think, look, and I'm lucky enough that I get to experience a lot and I have had a lot of facials. But when it comes to the best, I would say Omnilux. So it's a light therapy. And it doesn't have any UV rays or anything. So what it does is it actually stimulates collagen in the skin. So, I mean, a lot of our face creams and that tend to, that's one of the key kind of things that it does is stimulates collagen. But what the light does, it actually goes to a deeper level and further stimulates collagen. So what collagen does is it makes your skin really plump and like really youthful and just brings back that kind of youthful plush juiciness to the skin so i just really love it in in conjunction with peels and yeah just a really great skincare regime i think it can really change your skin and how regularly would you get those is it something that you kind of you could do once before an event and you'd see the results or is it like a more of a regular yeah so i mean omnilux is something that um most celebrities do like the day before a big event or, you know, an awards show. But if you do a course of it, say over kind of six months, once every three to four weeks, you will see really a dramatic change in your skin. And because it goes at, at like a deeper level, it's really stimulating that collagen so much more and you will see a firmness and a more kind of that bounce back into your skin. And I mean, I'm looking at your skin now. I don't know if you're wearing any makeup or anything. I literally looks, have got nothing on. It looks on. beautiful. Yeah. I honestly, it's just one of those things where you start and you become addicted to it. <laughs> and and I've got my mum onto it. I've got so many of my f- girlfriends onto it. it. Look, it is an investment, but it's one of those investments into your skin that I think if you start doing it at a younger age, you know, along with, you know, your sunscreen and using a really great day and night cream, you can really kind of help your skin to age gracefully because I'm you know we're all going to get lines we're all going to get you know sagginess it's gravity it's what happens (laughs) you know we can't stop it Um, but I think just taking care of your skin and really helping it to kind of age gracefully is what it's all about that's such a beautiful outlook I think yeah it really that's that's what I live by it's like come on we're all going to age we're all going to get old I think if we can just do it 
you know, better. (laughs) And your final product, the product or the two products that you always repurchase. We've got Lucas Pore Pore Ointment. Yes. And Mac Soft and Gentle Highlight. So why why are these? Because I think I always ask people who work in the beauty industry this question because we are you do get sent so many parcels I always think it's interesting the ones that you will actually always go out and buy because it just says so much about how good the product is yes and I mean that was a really hard one so I had to think okay what do I actually love and I think now that I'm thinking of it I would (laughs) add in the Dior lip glow because I have I've gone through three of those yeah so you know I love it yeah um but I mean Lucas Pawpaw ointment because it's just so multi-purpose. You can use it on the lips. You can use it on the skin. I love using it on the high points of the cheeks. I even kind of put a good amount on my hands and then actually use it as a moisturizer, oh. as like a treatment. It's so beautiful. You can use it on pimples. It's just so healing. I mean, put it on anything that you want to speed up healing and it'll, oh, it just fixes everything. And then Mac Soft and Gentle. Oh, my God. It is. If you guys haven't tried it, it's like in a myriad of highlights that are now on the market, I think it's hands down one of the best. Mac just know how to do formula and they just get it right. And it's one of those, it's, you know, pinky with a little bit of iridescent like silver to it. It, it just suits everyone and the formula. It's, it, it's always going to be good. What do you use to apply your highlight? Are you a fan of the fan brush or what do you? Oh, I, I don't know. I kind of change it up. It kind of depends on if I'm like doing my makeup really fast. I'll literally use the same brush for my bronzer, my blush, and then my highlight. Love the honesty there. Love it's the honesty there. Like, and that's pretty much every day. Let's be honest, right? Because I I clean my makeup brushes like every day pretty much. I know that sounds mental, but like I'm big on like – I know there's bacteria growing on those brushes and I've spent too much time and too much effort on this skin to get pimples. So I'm keeping these brushes clean. Um, So I do a deep clean like, you know, every second or third day. Wow. So, um, you know, if I can use one brush, you know, like a little contour brush for my bronzer, my blush and my my highlight, I'm all about that. So – but yeah, any fluffy brush, even, I mean, for something as beautiful as a Mac Soft and Gentle, you can totally go in and use your fingers and then spray a little bit of a setting spray and then go in again and just use your fingers to kind of blend it out. Oh, it's just, it's one of the tricks that Pinky told me, Nicole Thompson from Hot Mac. Tip. Oh, she's amazing. I've just learned so much from her and just getting the most out of makeup and making, making the product work for you, not having to work to get the product. So many of us, you know, we use products that actually aren't great, for, like aren't right for our skin. You know, it's like if you've got dry skin and you're going to use a super matte full coverage foundation, like mm, it's not always the best for you. Like, you know, mix a facial oil into it or, you know, use it really sparingly. Use a smaller amount and use, you know, a MAC Fix Plus or, you know, Urban Decay um, All Nighter to kind of really just shear it out a little bit. So making the product work for you, not forcing yourself to fit in with the yes, product. Yes, exactly. And I think that's so important. And I've really, um, you know, being in this industry and being able to work with so many incredible makeup artists, getting to know the product and how it works and the technology behind it. Because, you know, a lot of great product like a Mac Studio Fix or, you know, a NARS Laguna, there is technology behind it and the way that it's been formulated. You know, you've got to use it in the way that it's been like the the way that it was meant to be used. I see a lot of reviews on YouTube and I just watch the way people use it and it's just like, wow, you're not even using that product 
like, and then they slammed the product because it didn't work, but they didn't even bother to like read how it's meant to be used or, yeah. or research into it. I saw um, a YouTuber, I'm just going to say, Michael Finch used um, the Tatcha the primer it comes in like a round container and you only really need the smallest amount and it's like really pore refining and the product was, was kind of based on as like a primer for the face for like geishas that was like the behind like yeah, the, the ethos, behind, the ethos the behind it because they wanted like a shield between the makeup and their skin which oh my god it's great like you don't want the product going into your pores right and the way he used it he just used so much and it was just like you didn't even read. Like you, you're meant to literally use the smallest amount, warm it up and really press it into the skin. And it can literally make any skin look flawless, right? This product, is it's beautiful. And I just got really upset. I was like, mm, that actually is a great product and you've just dragged it through the mud. And like for, for someone that's got such a big audience and for people like he's got a younger audience that probably aren't necessarily going to be buying the product but – you know, they're, they're going to take that and think, oh, we need to use that much foundation or that much product, you know. But and, and often these kind of big YouTubers who are sitting there doing full coverage, heavy baking, contouring, they're not wearing that in the outside real sunlight world. Like yeah. they're using that with their 10 lights in a, in a you know, their, their filming room. It's, it's not real life. And so I, I, I really enjoy following makeup artists and following YouTubers that are doing more of a actual real makeup because I think there's a difference between YouTube makeup and real life. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, I'm, I'm steering away from seeing all of that because it's just, it's not, I don't know, it's not reality. People aren't wearing makeup like that. And yeah, it's all well and good to see like a full beat face and like cut crease and everything, but... I just think for everyday kind of women, we're not really actually applying product like that. So I don't know. Keep it real. Absolutely. Such a perfect note to end on. Yeah, I just, (laughs) I go off on a tangent. I could talk about this all day. I am loving discussing all of this. Now, I know it was a hard decision enough picking eight or so products. So hard. I'm now going to make it even harder and just ask you. As you're being cast off to Beauty Island, yep. if you could only take one of these products with you, which one would it be? Oh, God. Well, look. I'm giving you like a bucket load of sunscreen. You've got a hat. Like you've got all that. So it's just the oh, one product okay. from your list that you would take for nostalgic reasons or. Oh, okay. Look, it's not going to be as glamorous, but I'd probably take the pawpaw. Excellent. Because it's so multi-purpose. And you can kind of use it like on the eyes as like a sheen. I could use it, you know, if we're going for drinks on Beauty Island, I could use it as a highlight, lip gloss, you know. And in the brows as well. I've seen it used in the brows, just brushed up. It's a great, oh, it's, yeah, so it is multi-purpose. I will take the Lucas Pawpaw. Excellent decision. You've thought this through. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been so interesting. You've offered such an interesting insight into the industry. I've loved learning more about you and your influences And thank you again for just being so upfront and honest, both here and just in all the content that you produce as well. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Um, And I will obviously pop all the links to your socials and all the products that we've spoken about today in the show notes so people can find them and find you. Amazing. Yes, please come and find me and come chat and join the community and have some fun. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of Beauty Island. I hope you enjoyed it, found it interesting, or at least learned something new. If you did like what you heard, please, I would love you to subscribe so you'll always get the new episodes dropping in your feed. Rate or even write me a cheeky little review. I would love to read your thoughts on the podcast. If you'd like to ask any questions, chat further, or you've got any feedback, you can find me on Instagram at Brittany Beauty BTS. And if you want to take it uh, one step further, you can share on your Instagram story that you're listening or recommend to a friend, your mum, your neighbour, the colleague that you only speak to when you're both at the kitchen sink at the same time, whoever. I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, bye-bye.